0: In early August 1973, Broadway stars gathered to celebrate the opening night of the musical Irene in St. Louis. The post-show party was filled with up-and-coming artists and legends of the stage, including international
1: superstar Debbie Reynolds. But everyone's attention was on one individual, someone who was neither an actor nor a singer. She was Greta Alexander, a psychic from rural Illinois. The crowd circled Greta
0: as she made predictions about their futures. Eventually, Reynolds introduced
1: her 16-year-old daughter to the psychic. Greta smiled at the teenager and took her hand. The young girl grinned nervously. She felt everyone's eyes on her and the mystic.
0: The medium ran her fingers over the daughter's hand, inspecting the lines that ran across her palm. Then, Greta proclaimed the girl would be even more famous than her mother.
1: The teenager smiled and the crowd murmured in excitement. But Greta wasn't finished yet. She touched the daughter's palm again and frowned with confusion. She said she saw spaceships and stars, a crown on the girl's head, and music that rocked the walls like an earthquake. The small audience giggled at how random the vision was,
0: but just four years later, that girl, Carrie Fisher, would be cast as Princess Leia in Star Wars.
1: It seemed Greta Alexander was right yet again.
0: Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from ParCast. I'm your host, Molly.
1: And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know. But in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer.
0: Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify.
1: This is our final episode on psychic Greta Alexander. After a bolt of lightning struck her Illinois home, Greta found she could supposedly see people's pasts and futures. She used her ability to give advice to anyone who needed it, including friends, clients, and even homicide detectives.
0: Last time, we followed Greta's evolution from a Midwestern wife and mother to an asset in criminal investigations. But even though she assisted in many successful cases, sometimes her predictions missed the mark.
1: Today we'll investigate whether Greta was a legitimate psychic. Her notable failures made skeptics doubt her abilities. So one doctor put her powers to the test in a laboratory setting. And his results left even skeptics baffled.
0: We have all that and more coming up. Stay
2: with us.
0: Lightning struck 29-year-old Greta Alexander's home. She was mostly unharmed, but seemingly developed psychic abilities afterward. Eventually, she used her powers to help police. She located bodies, tracked down murderers, and solved otherwise unsolvable crimes.
1: But in 1975, police discovered the bodies of multiple women strangled and discarded in ditches. They feared a serial killer was responsible and sought Greta's help. Unfortunately, she only provided information that had already been in the newspaper. All of her alleged leads proved fruitless.
0: Her failure dealt a major blow to her reputation. Some began to suspect Greta wasn't the all-knowing mystic she claimed to be. Perhaps she was a fraud.
1: To win back people's trust, she needed to demonstrate her abilities on a high-profile case. In 1977, that opportunity presented itself.
0: On the morning of March 12th, 37-year-old Kathleen Holliday was out on her mail route. She finished up the last few houses and then headed toward her home in Grimes, Iowa.
1: The next Monday, Holiday's bosses waited for her to come into work. Hour after hour passed, and still, no Kathleen. They tried calling her, but there was no answer. This wasn't like Holiday at all. They figured something must have happened to her. Her supervisor called the police, who immediately opened a missing
0: persons investigation. They put out an alert for a white woman wearing frayed blue jeans, a blue or red short-sleeved shirt, a denim jacket and brown boots. But the tip line remained silent.
1: In the meantime, the police drove to Holiday's place to investigate. All her mail was still in the box and her clothes were still inside the house. But her purse was still in her pickup truck and hundreds of dollars were scattered throughout her home. The detective surmised she didn't skip town, and nobody had robbed her, or they wouldn't have left the cash behind. But even though the police could rule out those possibilities, they weren't sure what had happened instead.
0: They had even more questions when they pulled records from Holliday's bank. She'd recently used money from a divorce settlement to buy $25,000 in savings bonds, and now those bonds were gone.
1: It's possible she took the money herself to start a new life in another town, but Holiday wasn't known to make drastic or impulsive choices. There was only one explanation, foul play. Perhaps someone forced her to buy the bonds, then took them. It wasn't
0: clear who did it. Holiday lived alone and had no criminal record.
1: Without any obvious leads, the officials were stumped. Detective John Hampel was one of the lead investigators in the case, but he toiled for almost two weeks without any major breaks. Finally, he tried the same tactic that had worked for so many others over the years. He called Greta Alexander.
0: Over the phone, he shared basic information about Holliday. Her name, date of birth, and information about the divorce. Immediately, the psychic announced Kathleen Holliday was dead.
1: Then, Greta partially or fully listed 10 of the 11 persons of interest in the case, including some of Hampel's top suspects. Hampel thought there was no way she could have known that information, unless she was psychic. So he flew her out to Iowa so Greta could help find
0: Holliday's body. Greta shared her visions, some of which were vague. She described the landscape and said windmills were somehow important. In total, she offered nearly 100 details about the location of the woman's corpse.
1: The investigators pieced her statements together and concluded she described an area around the Sailorville Reservoir but they wanted more before they moved on the tip.
0: One day, Hampel and his team drove Greta through the town. The psychic spotted a sign that said Windmill Estates and told Hampel to stop. Her vision hadn't been about an actual windmill, but this neighborhood.
1: The hair on the back of Hampel's neck stood up. They were right down the road from the spot where he believed Holiday had been kidnapped.
0: The detective parked the car, close to where Holliday may have been abducted. He spoke to Greta about her vision, until suddenly she gasped. She said she could feel someone tapping on the car window, but there was no one
1: there. Greta's vision continued. She was reliving Kathleen Holliday's abduction. She wrapped up her account in a shaky voice, saying, to find Holliday's body, the search team would have to, quote, get their feet wet. She added that the corpse would be discovered by three people. This tip, coupled with her earlier claim pointing to the Sailorville Reservoir, spurred Hample to action. In May 1977, dozens of officers and volunteers scoured the area. They searched all over the body of water, but by the 10th turned up nothing. As the sun inched lower, light faded and the investigators realized they'd have to put off the search until tomorrow.
0: Three men steered their boat through the southern reaches of the reservoir before turning in for the night. One
1: noticed a shape bobbing in the marshes. As they drew near to the figure, the boaters covered their mouths in shock. It was a horrid sight, a floating corpse. Using dental records, coroners
0: identified the body as Kathleen Holliday. Decomposition made it impossible to determine how she died or who her killer may have been.
1: Although the alleged murder went unsolved, investigators credited Greta with helping them find the remains. This served as a boon for Greta's credibility, but some still remained skeptical. And once Greta expanded her work into a new field, a doctor thought he finally had the expertise to confirm or deny her powers once and for all. Coming up, a physician
0: attempts to investigate Greta. They're responsible for some of the most horrifying acts of violence ever known. Men and women who went to lethal extremes. But why?
2: Every Monday and Thursday on Serial Killers, follow the life and crimes of an actual murderer, exploring the reasons why they lived to kill.
0: Using extensive research and details you won't hear anywhere else, Serial Killers examines the psyche of a killer, their motives and targets, and law enforcement's pursuit to stop their spree.
2: Listen now and catch our special series on manhunts, where we follow the processes police use as they hunt for murderers in treacherous terrains and unusual locations.
0: Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Serial Killers. Listen free only on
2: Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit AnytimeFitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details.
0: Now, back to the story
1: Greta Alexander made predictions that helped solve cases, and her fame grew. Many considered her a legitimate psychic and came to her for guidance on any number of issues, including their health. According to
0: Greta, she could determine if someone was ill just by looking at their palm, or even a copy of their handprint. Some even claimed she could cure them.
1: Actress Debbie Reynolds had what she believed was a physical healing experience with Greta. Once, doctors diagnosed her with a pinched nerve. But when Reynolds saw Greta, The psychic simply pressed the actress's foot, and all the pain faded away, never to return. While clients
0: flocked to the psychic, one physician was skeptical. Dr. Leon E. Curry dealt in facts, and facts alone. He lived in Metter, a small town in Georgia, where he practiced medicine and pioneered new treatments. He
1: was involved in early modern research on ADHD in children. In January 1975, he spoke to a colleague after a lecture, and she told him about a woman in Illinois with special powers. Curry dismissed the claims and scolded his friend for believing them. But the other doctor wouldn't back down. She gave him Greta Alexander's phone number and dared him to call her before he made up his mind. Eager to prove his friend wrong, Curry agreed.
0: Late that night, he sat in his study and dialed. As soon as a warm voice on the other end answered, Curry introduced himself, keeping his voice down so as not to wake his wife.
1: Apparently, his precautions were unnecessary. Greta told Curry his wife was waiting for him. He chuckled and corrected her. She was asleep. Already, the psychic had made a false prediction.
0: But Greta was resolute. Curry's wife was awake. She even described her appearance and personality in
1: perfect detail. Curry was speechless and became even more amazed when his wife walked into his study. She was awake. Greta was right.
0: But Curry knew fake psychics could mine a subject for information and make it seem like they had supernatural powers. So he decided to watch his words as their conversation continued. He wouldn't reveal anything about himself.
1: Regardless, for the rest of the night, she performed what Curry called, quote, a solo recital. She described his time in the army, his brother, even some personal issues between him and his family.
0: Late into the night, he finally said goodbye and hung up. Then he sat in his study, absolutely stunned.
1: Unlike Greta's other clients, Curry wasn't elated. He was disturbed. The psychic's observations seemed so accurate, they undercut everything he'd ever believed. Maybe there was more to the world than physical science.
0: In the months following their initial conversation, the doctor and the psychic spoke multiple times on the phone. Curry learned how Greta gained her alleged powers and how she'd used them since.
1: He was particularly intrigued by her apparent medical
0: abilities.
1: Curry had never believed in palm readings, but the accuracy of Greta's predictions made him second-guess himself. Plus, he'd gotten to know her and even considered her a friend. It was hard to believe Greta was a fraud.
0: So in September 1975, he coordinated with staff at Georgia Southern University for Greta to give a lecture on her gift she'd be speaking in front of Curry's colleagues, including doctors and nursing students. Despite his faith in her, he was secretly nervous they'd laugh her out of the room.
1: So when Curry introduced the psychic, he urged the audience to be open-minded. He suggested Greta might have discovered a new form of diagnosis. It could be the next breakthrough in medical science. Then he ceded the floor to Greta.
0: After describing how she'd attained her gift and what it had done for her, Greta said a person's aura could indicate what kinds of physical or psychological problems they had, and she would show them hers.
1: Students gasped around the lecture hall. They all seemed to be witnessing Greta's aura glowing around her. Based on their faces, it was the most spectacular thing they'd ever seen.
0: After the lecture, students swarmed her to hear more about her gift. Clearly, the speech had been
1: a success. This was just one of many times Greta dazzled Curry's colleagues. Once, she correctly predicted one would suffer a leg injury. Sure enough, the next day at work, that man walked in with a limp.
0: Another time, a friend of Curry's son told Greta about his newly purchased truck. Without missing a beat, Greta said there was something wrong with it. The friend laughed it off. The vehicle was working fine.
1: Two hours later, the transmission gave out, and the friend had to call a tow.
0: Later, when one of Curry's co-workers lost her wedding ring, the doctor consulted Greta. The psychic said, quote, I see her washing her hands. She takes off the ring and lays it down on the edge of the counter next to the lavatory.
1: Curry told his colleague what Greta had said. At once, the woman realized she'd left her ring at a parked bathroom that day. She jumped in her car, raced back there, and found the ring right where she'd left it.
0: Later, Curry's acquaintance, Cheryl, developed severe abdominal pain. She saw a wide range of specialists, but none could say what caused the discomfort.
1: When Curry introduced Cheryl to the psychic, Greta made a print of the woman's hand and inspected it. Greta said that at the bottom of her stomach, Cheryl had, quote, a pouch with a web-like opening, end quote. Apparently, it kept food from emptying into the lower intestine. Curry was skeptical,
0: but Cheryl traveled to Atlanta to have a gastroenterologist take
1: images of her small intestine. Afterward, the doctor's report described Cheryl's issue as a, quote, pouch with a web-like opening. It was identical to what Greta had said. And luckily, the condition was treatable with an operation.
0: Curry watched Greta correctly diagnose problems that doctors with years of expertise and millions of dollars in expensive equipment couldn't. He became a full-blown believer and even hoped she might change the medical field as a whole. He just needed
1: other physicians to believe in her, too. Curry reached out to his friend Dr. Curtis Hames, a cardiologist in Claxton, Georgia. Hames was a skeptic, just like Curry had been. It seemed that he was the perfect candidate for an experiment on Greta's abilities. Once and for all, they'd determine if she was a real psychic.
0: Coming up, Greta faces her most difficult test yet. Now, back to the story.
1: At first, Dr. Leon Curry was highly skeptical of Greta Alexander's alleged psychic powers. But eventually, he became convinced that palmistry and mysticism could be the next great medical frontier. Now, he needed to convince his friend, Dr. Curtis Hames, and he'd do it via an experiment. As Curry describes in his book,
0: The Doctor and the Psychic, the setup was simple. Curry would drive the psychic to Evans County Hospital and introduce her to a patient she'd never met before. Greta would analyze their handprint and attempt to diagnose them.
1: Curry didn't want to drop Greta into the situation unprepared, so the night before the test he told her what he had planned. The psychic seemed eager to demonstrate her abilities and accepted the challenge. But as the night wore on, she became noticeably anxious and struggled to sleep.
0: The next morning, the pair drove to the hospital, just like they'd planned. Dr. Hames greeted them at the front entrance, then guided them to a patient's room.
1: Hames introduced him only as Mr. X. While Greta greeted him and made a handprint copy, Hames and Curry remained silent in the corner of the room. They made sure Mr. X didn't tell Greta any medical information so she wouldn't have any clues that could compromise the experiment.
0: Then, Greta inspected the ink handprint. She squinted and traced over it with a pencil. After a few minutes, she took a deep breath and told the doctors she was ready to make her diagnosis.
1: She said one of the patient's lungs wasn't working. It was spotted with lumps. On top of that, Mr. X's heart was also in trouble, thanks to a chestal blood vessel ready to burst. When she finished, she looked
0: up to Dr. Hames and waited for him to tell her if she was right or
1: a fraud. But Hames didn't confirm her diagnosis right away. His expression didn't even change. He simply asked Curry and Greta to follow him down the hall and into the X-ray room. There, he located a thin envelope that contained the patient's x-rays, unsheathed
0: the results and slid them into the view box. Curry peered at them, then said Mr. X's left lung was filled with fluid and there was an issue with one of his aortas. Greta was right."
1: Well, mostly right. Greta had missed one detail. Hames explained the patient also had diabetes. Greta's face
0: dropped. She held up her handprint and said yes, the patient was, indeed, diabetic. She'd somehow missed it during her first analysis, but now she could spot the details on his palm.
1: It's not clear whether Curry and Hames believed her. Maybe they thought she was just trying to save face. Either way, she'd correctly identified two of the patient's ailments. This was compelling enough that Curry wanted Hames to introduce Greta to his research contacts.
0: Hames admitted he was interested and a little impressed, but he wouldn't pursue this study any further. He'd spent 25 years conducting conventional medical research. He didn't want to hurt his reputation by studying paranormal phenomena.
1: Instead, Hames recommended Dr. Joseph Banks Rhine, a parapsychologist and former professor at Duke University. Rhine had studied the topic before and had even coined the phrase extrasensory perception or ESP. Curry
0: contacted Rhine and arranged for the researcher and Greta to meet. In January 1978, the pair traveled to Durham, North Carolina. According to Curry, at the lab, Ryan subjected Greta to a series of tests of her alleged psychic abilities.
1: In one room, researchers flashed either a red or green light. In another room, where she couldn't see the bulb, Greta attempted to guess which turned on. But she apparently struggled. Dr. Curry noted she had difficulty adjusting to working on laboratory experiments.
0: In another test, someone drove Dr. Curry to somewhere in the city and left him there. Then, Greta attempted to divine where he could be. Once again, her
1: predictions failed to pan out. Later they repeated the experiment, dropping Curry off at a bus station. Greta noted the importance of the letter B and said the colors red and orange had some significance.
0: This vision was correct, but a little vague. The letter B, as in bus station, could have been applied to any number of objects at any given location,
1: as could the colors red and orange. No one was blown away with the results, but Curry still believed in his and Greta's mission. The tests would continue.
0: Two months later, in March,
1: Greta analyzed a series
0: of handprints, then her findings were compared to actual medical records. According to Dr. Curry, Greta was 60% accurate in her diagnoses. She even managed to predict a few specific ailments, like pituitary
1: problems. However, some skeptics questioned these results. It seemed the controls in this experiment weren't great. To prove Greta's abilities, Curry and Rhine needed a test that was airtight. Two
0: psychologists from the Medical College of Georgia, with help from the Institute of Parapsychology, suggested Greta and an experienced M.D. should both examine 15 female patients between the ages of 18 and 53. The participants wouldn't share any medical information with Greta, but the psychic and the physician would each have 25 minutes to evaluate the subjects
1: and make their conclusions. Afterwards, doctors analyzed both sets of findings and compared them. When Greta's information aligned with the MD's results, researchers deemed it an A-match. When her visions were vaguely similar to the doctor's analysis, they called it a B-match.
0: Dr. David Yens, who wrote the report on the study, claimed 22.7% of Greta's visions were A-matches. Another 12.3% were B-matches. That added up to
1: 35%. According to Jens, about one in three times the psychic matched with the doctor. Now, that might not seem like a lot, but Jens seemed to think it was. He argued Greta's success rate was about on par with what he'd expect if he compared the findings between an M.D. and a trained specialist.
0: But Greta had never been to medical school or nursing school. She'd never even attended college. And yet, she diagnosed ailments with uncanny accuracy.
1: Jens wanted Greta to participate in more studies, but their funding was running low. Laboratory experiments were out of the question for the time being, but Greta could keep performing readings for her friends and clients. These weren't scientifically replicable, But at least they could help some people. At least
0: that's what she claimed, but some suspect she had motive to avoid more studies. Perhaps Greta suspected some later researcher would debunk
1: her powers. See, even if Jens was scrupulously honest in his studies, he could still fall prey to confirmation bias. This refers to a tendency for people to accept information that supports their own beliefs and reject anything that challenges their worldview. It's why it's a bad idea to argue about politics on Facebook. A lot of the time, people won't change their minds. They aren't convinced by evidence or logic, no matter how compelling the arguments are.
0: And there was plenty of room for confirmation bias to color Greta's studies. Remember, she often offered vague visions. In both medical and criminal cases, she sometimes said certain letters were significant, like S or B. On other occasions, she said water would be important, or a color. But
1: letters can be associated with anything. Many words start with the letter B. Likewise, it's hard to picture a space that doesn't have a variety of colors or some kind of relationship with water, be it a leaky faucet, a puddle, a nearby lake, or a town name. Just like how she claimed the windmill estates were a fulfillment of her vision about windmills. In other words, her guesses weren't that impressive, but people may have believed in them because they
0: wanted to. Dr. Curry, The doctors who tested her and Greta's clients were all invested in seeing the psychic succeed.
1: It's also possible she used common techniques known as cold and hot readings. Cold readings are when a supposed mystic makes a vague statement about a person
0: they don't know. It's just broad enough that it could apply to almost anyone, but the target feels like it's personal anyway.
1: You see a lot of this when mediums perform in front of large crowds on TV. They may ask if anyone in the audience has lost someone recently. Right away, several hands will shoot up. Then the psychic will ask a slightly more specific question, like, was the deceased a close family member? More hands will stay in the air. The truth is, in any large enough crowd, there's a high likelihood that several people have lost close family members. The psychic is just guessing, but it might seem like they're sensing some mystic truth. Greta made similarly broad claims.
0: Remember how she announced something was wrong with the man's new truck? It's not that unusual for cars to just break down. It could have been a coincidence that his transmission kicked out right after her prediction.
1: Plus, she didn't always slap a deadline on her visions. If Greta predicted someone would suffer a foot injury, she still might take credit for it, even if it happened years later. Alternatively, she could have used another technique called hot
0: reading. This is when a psychic gathers information before his or her session with a client to help them make a more informed prediction.
1: When investigators consulted Greta, they may have disclosed extra information about the case. This would help her pretend to have a vision. Or she could have studied ongoing
0: investigations in the newspaper, so she'd be ready with intel when police called
1: her. Still, Greta offered a lot of specific guidance to both doctors and detectives. And she didn't have any apparent motive to con her clients. She never charged for her readings, although she allowed people to donate to her if they felt inclined. Even then, the pay was low as Greta remained on the phone long into the night.
0: We may never know if Greta really was a psychic, But even if she couldn't peer into the future, she still saw just enough to help her supporters live better lives.
1: Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We will be back next time with a new episode. For more information on Greta Alexander, amongst the many sources we used, We found Dr. Leon E. Curry's book, The Doctor and the Psychic, extremely helpful to our research.
0: You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. See you next time. And remember, never take we don't know for an answer.
1: Unexplained Mysteries is a Spotify original from ParCast. Executive produced by Max Cutler. Our Head of Programming is Julian Boireau. Our Supervising Sound Designer is Russell Nash, with Nick Johnson as our Head of Production, and Quality Control by Lisa Marie Gallegos. Ali Wicker is our Supervising Editor, and Derek Jennings is our Writing Lead. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Alex Bernard, edited by Ben Hanani and Angela Jorgensen, fact-checked by Kevin Johnson, Researched by Chelsea Wood, produced by Bruce Kotovich, and sound designed by Kerry Murphy. Our hosts are Molly Brandenburg and me, Richard Rossner.
2: Dahmer, Bundy, Gacy, Ramirez. You know the names, but do you know the whole terrifying story? Every Monday and Thursday on Serial Killers, take a horrific journey through the origin, evolution, and madness of a real-life murderer. Exploring the reasons why they lived to kill.
0: Some were charismatic, others were calculated. But all of them were disturbingly deadly. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Serial Killers. Listen free only on Spotify.